Well, good morning. Today we're continuing our Anchored series. And what's the aim of that? What's the purpose of that? Well, it's this, it's spiritual investment. This is a tricky time. You know, there's burdens, there's pressures, there's much instability being felt by so many. And that can happen at the best of times. But there is a groundswell at the moment of challenge. And we need to ensure that we are building with our feet firmly placed on solid ground that uh, the the um, house of our life is built on rock all of us are coming from slightly different starting points but it's important that we remind ourselves and afresh and we refresh ourselves uh, that we come to an understanding of some of these key habits that might be for the first time that might be something you're just revisiting principles and rhythms that we foster and invest in our spiritual foundations and while so much of life at the minute is in a state of flux we have to remember that whilst this isn't something we foresaw or choose there are also many stories of fruit and hope and we can maximize times of preparation and refinement if we choose to embrace them and mine them for all that it's worth. Does that does that make sense? That's roughly why we're doing this and where we're trying to go with it. But before we jump in, let me just tell you two stories just of this last week. The first one is this. Somebody got in touch and said this. Last week's message hit me right where it should in my spirit. I know I can bring hope even where I am. I've been furloughed and on reduced pay, but I'm determined my time will profit others. I am, of course, only going outside for essentials, but I will write to my neighbours. The letterbox is only just across the road and I can make a difference. Honestly, I love that because in this time, nothing is wasted. This is a time of investment, not just in ourselves, but also to seize the opportunity to invest in others. The second one is somebody said this, I just wanted to share that I virtually walked into my parents' church chat today to them saying that they don't know what they would have done without the Manchester Vineyard Kids videos. They watch it each week and showed me all of the crafts, craft bits they've made. Some of them have decided to follow Jesus after watching and it's getting them excited about reading their Bibles and walking with Jesus. I was asked to pass on some very sincere thanks from the parents to all the hours you put in to make it so hilarious and so engaging. This was then from one of the mums from that group this last year. It said, one of the young kids prayed in June to invite Jesus into her heart one night after watching Manchester Vineyard kids. She's been quite shy about it, but it was a definite moment for her by herself, her own decision. And I just want to say thank you so much for all of the brilliant teaching. Don't you love that? The, I mean, the kids team have done a phenomenal job in investing and in discipling. But we also, we, we don't always know who's here, who's part of this, who's responding and seeing and um, taking some of the seed that has been scattered and sown. Who knows the long-term impact of some of the seed that you, that we are faithfully sowing. We do all we can by all means we can. 1 Corinthians 9 says, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I wanna bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? 
but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. We do everything we can to save some. I do everything I can to spread the good news. And we're disciplined in our training. Being anchored means being disciplined in our training. The parts, the times, the seasons that maybe no one else will see, but it allows us to be healthy and it allows us to be whole so that we can run with purpose in every step, not shadow boxing. We want to discipline our bodies, training it to do what it should. You know, sometimes I think a quick acid test of where we're at, where somebody is at, is I often ask myself the question, what is Jesus speaking to me about right now? What's on my heart? If somebody asked me that, what would I say? Because often it's a reflection of what we're reading, what we're dwelling on, what we're chewing over. Now, I don't say that to condemn you. You know, if, if, if don't worry if there's currently nothing there, but that's the whole point. We start in a different place, but we take a step further in to all that God has for us to seek and to share intimacy with him because we want to run with purpose in every step. We don't want to shadow box. We want to discipline our body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. So when it comes to our spiritual investment and development, it's often said you can divide some of those areas into a number of parts. There's things that are inward, things that are outward, and then things that are corporate. And by no means in this series or even now, we're going to look at all of them. We don't have time to consider any of them in much depth. This is really just the tip of the iceberg, but what I want to do is stir us to consider it more deeply, to activate something in you to have a desire for greater spiritual purpose, to run with purpose in every step. So today as we do that, can we just specifically consider fasting? Now, I want to say, I, this is how I see it, I think fasting actually takes a, a fair bit of bad press. You know, I also think it's seen sometimes as, as like the, the super spiritual thing to do. It's seen as unattainable to, to so many. And others um, would, would kind of consider, well, why on earth would you go without food anyway? You know, it can make you grumpy and it can make you tired and quite obviously, stating the obvious, it can make you hungry. So, or we, we feel we kind of sometimes, some of us would feel like we have to do it. So therefore, if we skip breakfast then, and we don't have time for breakfast, we'll be like, oh, it's because I'm fasting. Because it's like a, a forced thing. We feel we have to do it. It becomes like a re religious or a ritual act that we almost need to just tick the box off on. Now, I, I, that's a few things I've heard people say. There'll be a hundred other things and other reasons that people might, and ways people might reflect on it. Um, for me, I would say for some of you, even me talking about it today, some of you, your hearts would have kind of just sunk. You know, it's like, really? We're going to talk about fasting? We're in, a, we're in a pandemic. I've got enough going on. Now we're talking about fasting. Or for, for others, and I know I have often done this, it can become quite a light-hearted thing. It almost becomes a way of dismissing it through that light-hearted nature. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting food. And for me, that means just having fast food for this week. So, you know, like, see what Mac is. Or I'm, I'm fasting between meals. 
Um, let, but let me just briefly, in the context of fasting, just reflect on a few things. Firstly, I just want to put the focus on fasting on spiritual purpose. You know, Matthew 4, verse 4 says, people, well, Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The context of Jesus saying that is actually that he's weak and he's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days and the enemy is trying to tempt him to turn stones into bread and use his divine power to do that. And that's when Jesus says people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. One, one aspect of fasting is drawing into focus what sustains us. Life in all of its many riches and pleasures easily, we, we would all say and know, consumes us. Think about it. You know what consumes your thoughts and your time and your money and the, the, the lion's share of your focus? What, what would that be? What would you say? Is it a job or technology or relationships or a car or children or a new thing or food or computer games or a hobby? or um, sport, what, what would it be? More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. Because as we fast, things start to quite quickly in many of us surface, pride, anger, jealousy, fear, all of the things that can quite easily start to surface through that process. And fasting reminds us that we're sustained by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Food does not sustain us. Many have said it this way, fasting isn't really fasting, fasting is actually feasting. Because what we're seeking to do is to feast on the word of God, to feast ourselves on him, to place ourselves in a greater position of intimacy with the Father. Even that time that we take in the normal routine of a day to, to eat consumes so much of our day. Rather than that time become extra time for other things, it's extra time for God. With each churn of the stomach that can be felt in hunger, rather than that become the focus, rather than the lack of food become the focus, we use it as a reminder and a point of reflection on God. So the first thing really is, is, is aiming and seeking the motive to be spiritual purpose. The second thing is then actually finding more of him through that process. That's the point. It's not a ritual act. The desire in the heart is a longing for more. You know, when you read um, John 4, I'd encourage you to, to read it afresh, but Jesus meets the woman at the well. And in verse 8, he says he was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So the disciples have gone to into the into the village to find the, the nearest subway or five guys or whatever it is. And they they have, I would say, they'd build in a bit of a reputation for this. You see it if you just skip back a little bit in Matthew 14, verse 15, it says this that evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy some food for themselves. Now, I think it clearly shows these guys are kind of partial to a takeaway. It's not the first time and it's not the only time that they bring up the subject of food. And probably one or two of them has got the hangries. And, you know, I often say, often just through the course of a day, I'd often say, oh, what are we what are we having for tea? And I reckon sometimes I can say it five times in the space of five minutes because 
for some reason, it's just one of the things I then ask, but then I forget what the answer is. Now, we don't want to get too caught up in the debate as to whether or not we call it dinner or tea, which can divide us quite quickly. But I think much of our time and much of our thinking for many of us, even subconsciously, actually can centre around food, regardless of the hunger part, which then just adds to it. And so we jump back into that story in John 4 because Jesus is alone at the well because the disciples have gone to buy food. And in the time that they're away, Jesus has an encounter with the woman at the well that transforms her life forever. It says, verse 31, the disciples come back and it says this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Jesus replied to them, Honestly, we've got to digest this, excuse the phrase, but digest this. Jesus replied, I've got a kind of food you know nothing about. Let me say, everything within me when I read, read that wants to know what that is. I, I want to know about that. You know nothing about it, he says. I'm like, I want to know. Because we want to be people that find out more, that long and hunger and are desperate for more, to spend time with him, on him, and in pursuit of his kingdom, yearning after him. Jesus offers something different. I, I want to say, are you tired of what is? Because honestly, I am. I'm tired of the world and its food. Its cravings and its offerings don't satisfy me. Because we can't live on that bread alone because it doesn't fill our stomachs it doesn't satisfy us and it's not what we were created for because we were created for something more that we can only find in God I dearly dearly love the disciples I've reflected on this before with many of you they give me so much hope they really do I I often find myself within their story so often I reflect on their lives and think did you really just say that did you really just do that you know and then I see myself in them and think yeah maybe they probably did but because I think we're all capable of being a bit daft we're all capable of doing and saying silly things of focusing on the wrong things and at times missing the point so here they are they went to get food and they found a burger van or whatever it is parked up at the shopping complex and they've bought Jesus back a steak baguette that's that's how I see it and they're quite proud of themselves for being so resourceful and they're like hey, here you go Jesus we got you a steak baguette with onions and ketchup and all sorts and and he says I've got a kind of food you know nothing about and they're like what You're like what what we we just brought what's an upgrade on a steak baguette for lunch you know, did he did he just bring a disposable barbecue? What what are you saying? Is there like a Uber Eats? Is there a Deliveroo? What's what is going to be better than what we've just brought you? Verse thirty three, they even say it, and I, obviously I'm paraphrasing. I'm adding to this, but I want you just to grab hold of it and understand it and enter in it. But verse thirty three, it says, "Did someone bring him food while we were gone?" The disciples asked each other. The penny hasn't quite yet dropped for them. They've still not fully understood what's happening. I found myself asking that very question, or at least slight variations of it, this week. Did somebody bring him food while they were gone? I frame that question for my moment right now. Am I willing to believe and see beyond what is? 
Am I able to understand beyond what I can see and understand in this pandemic, in the moment we're in as a church and a city, a nation and a world? Am I aware of the magnitude of the company I'm keeping in being around Jesus? You know, sometimes I think it's easier to lower our reality to whatever our earthly perspective is, to only see through the viewfinder that we've known or we see. Did somebody bring him food? That kind of misses the point. It's not able to see the bigger picture and then to enter it because Jesus then explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And he says to them, I've got a kind of food you know nothing about. Whilst the disciples are off getting food, they miss the conversation that Jesus then had with the woman at the well. He said to her in verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus was sustained and nourished by the Father, the very power of God. That's what we want to be sustained, nourished and refreshed by, that we can still do and give and live out rather than be depleted on a food that only momentarily gives us energy. Fasting focuses us on what matters and it allows us to grasp in greater depth. It allows us to access more. Fasting isn't a miserable draining act as sometimes it can be portrayed. We're feeding and feasting on God. The God who, just like the Israelites, was sustained in the wilderness by the miraculous manna from heaven that they went and accessed on a day-to-day basis, daily bread that sustained and fed them. We're sustained by the word of God. Fasting gives us and brings us life balance. So quickly and so easily the non-essentials of life can become the essentials. Our human cravings and desires, whatever they might be, they're going to vary for all of us, but they can quickly and easily start to consume us and define us. And we need moments of fasting that will give us rest and ensure that the main thing stays the main thing that gives us moments of reset. The spotlight, I would say, is currently in our lives. It's been shone on our roots. What are our spiritual roots looking like? If we ever we had or used something to prop us up, I'd say probably the frame of it is currently been weakened. You know, the relationships with others, the routines, the Sunday gathered environments, the ability to live at a pace without stopping and reflecting. All of it has been weakened, whatever it might be for you, by the moment that we're in, which if we choose to see it this way, which is actually no bad thing, if the penny starts to drop. And I don't mean I'm celebrating the pain or the hardship that many of you are facing. I'm not celebrating that at all. That weighs heavily on me. But what I'm seeking out is how we dig out the God moments and how we long and hunger and are desperate for more. We can't we can't miss the moment we're in. Verse 33, did someone bring in food while we were gone? Or we can see it and we can embrace it. Because those who drink the water he gives will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Fasting centers us on God and it's God initiated and it's God sustained and it's God invited and I want to encourage you to look again and consider it afresh you know the Bible has so much to say on it 
when you dig in for that the bible characters that all fasted moses the lawgiver david the king elijah the prophet esther the queen daniel the prophet anna the prophetess paul the apostle jesus the son of god all people that spent time fasting and seeking the nearness and the closeness of god those throughout church history have modeled it and spoken greatly of its value Martin Luther, John Wesley, Charles Finney, we could go on and on and on and on. I could give testament to the power of it in my own life or environments and churches that we've been in. But I don't think we want to leave it sat on the shelf or left just to a certain few. You know, there are many who, and I, there's no wrong in this at all there are many who fast many other things as well things like tv to give something up and to lay something down is no bad thing at times and seasons of our lives but in the bible the normal means of fasting meant abstaining from food it is said of jesus that he ate nothing he was hungry what is fascinating is what stands out you know, in Jesus' teaching on fasting on the Sermon on the Mount, his teaching includes the context of teaching on giving and praying. It's almost an unconscious assumption that they're part of the same act and part of the same devotion. I've, don't you find that? I find that fascinating. I'd say we've got to review the lot. How, how are we desperate and hungry to be praying? How are we desperate and hungry to be a giving church? in so many ways and uses of that word. It's part of our inward discipleship. It's part of the roots and the rhythms of being anchored. In Matthew 6, Jesus teaches about fasting and he says, when you fast, he's making the assumption that we will and he gives direction to us as to what that's going to look like. It's not a command. He didn't say, you must fast. It's an invitation. When? you fast. I want to encourage you today to see this as an invitation. Wherever you're at, take a greater step in. I'd say to those of you that are longing for more, for a more intimate walk with Jesus, this is a stepping stone moment. There's so much more that could be said and we could reflect on. As I said, it's just littered through the Bible. This is just the tip of the iceberg, really, to stir you towards longing for more and being anchored but let me close with this there's this bit in Matthew chapter 9 where some of the guys around John the Baptist who are hanging out with him and spending time with him asked Jesus this question it says this one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do and Jesus replied he said this in verse 15 he said did wedding guests mourn when celebrating with the groom of course not but someday the groom will be taken away from them and they will fast. You know, when Jesus came to earth, the kingdom of God broke in in a new way. The bridegroom was among them and it was a time for feasting rather than fasting. But the most logical interpretation is that he encourages them to fast in the time that we find ourselves now, prior to the second coming. The time between his ascending to the Father and his coming again. Someday the groom will be taken from them and then they will fast. I can't think of a better time to remind us, to encourage us, to consider the invitation before us to fast. This month we're pressing into prayer, intentionally praying. There's a number of things. We align the two. As we pray, we fast. As we fast, we pray. To create spiritual rhythms and discipline. To cry out to God 
for ourselves, for our families, for our church, for our city, for our nation. That we create that spiritual rhythm and discipline to run with purpose in every step, not just shadow boxing, to discipline our bodies like athletes training us to do, training it to do what it should, to step in and seek more and remind ourselves of more. People don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. I hope, I pray, I trust that is helpful for you this morning. But just as we as we close, as we conclude, why don't we just pray? Can I just invite the Holy Spirit? You might want to close your eyes. Let's just make a moment of space to invite the presence of the living God to come upon us and move among us. You know, if we were in person, we'd spend so much more time doing this and reflecting on it. We wouldn't rush it. And I'd encourage you, don't rush it. I want to say a few things maybe now, but don't let that distract you. Use this moment to to dwell. You know, I think there's so much about the posture of our hearts. So let me just pray, Lord, I just welcome you. Holy Spirit, come and move upon us, come and manifest in us and among us. Or separate in person, united in heart and mind. I pray for an encounter moment this morning. I pray for that posture of our hearts. Yeah, this just this week I've spent actually time on my knees crying out to God for a couple of things on my heart. I think there's a posture in that. Some of you even now, there's just a on your knees moment. As we long and we yearn and we're desperate and we're hungry, I'd encourage you to do that. There's something powerful in the in the encounter moment. Just even the story I reflected on this morning of Jesus at the well with the woman. I've been reading myself the story of Nicodemus meeting Jesus. Just encounter moments that change lives, that reframe and realign in the moment. I pray that over some of you this morning. There would be an encounter moment. Some of you yearning and desperate for for strength. That as we wait on him, he renews that strength. He gives that strength. It rises within. Lord, I, I want to pray for some of you this morning. That there is a, there's, a, there's a moment of thirsting as the deer pants and thirsts. We want hunger and desire. There's a, there's a, there's a newness going to come on some of you this morning for that. That brings nearness. Newness brings nearness. Lord, welcome. Welcome that God and speak. I believe just for some of you, this is completely different context, but there's a there's an acceptance moment this morning, starting to realise your identity in Him and His acceptance of you, and as as a church's acceptance of you, that nothing and no one holds that back, that that there's no barrier. Not, not sin or guilt or shame. Just believe there's an acceptance moment. I believe as well for some of you there's a there's a there's an activation moment. Particularly around some of this, there's like a it's like you you even physically now it just you feel like you want to do something. It's that can be the activation moment. And it can show itself physically. It's like you want to, there's a yearning in you for something more now. And it's the, the nearness of God. It's the closeness of God that you want to pursue. 
I, often we, we mention um, physical things. We believe the Lord is speaking. Of course, if there's physical things, please pray for yourselves, pray for others, reach out to somebody, ask somebody to pray, email, send a WhatsApp, whatever it is. We can try and connect you. If, you don't, if you're not in a small group and don't have people around you, we could pray for you in this moment that you're listening to this. But I also think it's it's not just a physical thing. I think there's a physical pain. I think there's an emotional pain on some of you. There's like a pain and a weariness and a um, a a weight on your heart that I believe he wants to free and release this morning. And it's it's bound you and trapped you. Don't be ashamed of that. Just be freed from that. Where the spirit of the Lord is this freedom. He comes to bring that. Lord, speak it into our hearts and minds today, I pray. bless you we invite the presence of the living God Lord what you've started you bring to completion we just pray for more this morning we open our hearts and our minds to you just leave you with some music praying as the Lord ministers to you and you might want to reach out to others to do that alongside them God bless you this week.